Before we begin this episode, we would like to shed some light on what is happening in India and Nepal. Over the last few days, we've seen the alarming effects of the second wave of COVID-19 that has hit these countries. The need for emergency support is greater than ever before. We have linked some resources we could find in the description box. Please help and support. And let us be mindful that the COVID-19 pandemic is far from over. Hello everyone, namaste. Welcome back to Anthropos. I am Satashma. I am Simone, and thank you very much for joining us again for our fourth episode, Made in Bangladesh. We have a very informative episode for you all today with three guests joining us from Bangladesh. In this episode, we will be talking about the fashion industry. Today, the fashion industry is a global business of $1.3 trillion, which employs more than 300 million people worldwide and represents a significant economic force and a substantial driver of global GDP. On top of that, the environmental impacts of the fashion industry's human costs are too high. The fashion industry's insatiable demand for speed and cheapness has pushed humans to risk their health and safety to, to earn a living. Having no legal formal contracts, recognition or protection, these workers are heavily exploited. Most of the manufacturing process takes place in Asia, in countries like Bangladesh, India, Vietnam, China, Indonesia, and the Philippines. Roughly 75% of these workers are women. The International Labour Organization also estimates that 170 million are engaged in child labour, the majority of them producing garments for Western consumers. While the Western countries have become the face of sustainability and environmental protection, their practices have exacerbated the existing vulnerabilities in countries such as Bangladesh that are already at the forefront of climate change. Bangladesh is the world's second largest producer of fast fashion, and the garment industry is responsible for 83% of the country's exports. The country has around 5,000 factories that produce garments, and those factories employ approximately 4 million workers. This means that the livelihood of both the country and the workers depend on Western corporations. Western corporations put an intense amount of pressure onto these factories to keep their products as cheap as possible and often use tons of toxic chemical dyes. Reports have found that garment workers only make an average wage of between $25 to $75 a month, which is not enough even for housing in a city like Dhaka and the dyes and harmful chemicals are released into nearby rivers that have continued to pollute the waterways of Bangladesh heavily. So to talk about this further, on our show today, we have the founder of a vintage fashion boutique called Taka Vintage. Her name is Fathia Tamanna. She also co-founded Bedlam Taka, a contemporary sustainable fashion clothing line, was our second guest, Faria Tabassum. And Faria Tabassum, with our third guest, Farat Anan, runs an Instagram page called Far Too Short, where they curate sustainable and thrifted fashion pieces. Fatia, Faria, and Farad, welcome to the show. And thank you so much for joining us. And we want to begin our conversation by asking what sustainable fashion means to you. Thank you for having us. Uh, I think it's great that you guys are uh, having this kind of conversation. It's very important. Uh, it's very important to have conversations like these. Uh, yeah, so basically uh, sustainable fashion to me is embracing what, uh, what we already have in our culture, which is, which is to use, reuse and not waste. Um, so 
like well, well, growing up I always saw my grandmother uh, always uh, you know like always making use of everything like from even the vegetables she'd uh, cut uh, to cook she'd use the peels and make like mashed some bortas with it and uh, yeah so like from her old saris that she'd pass it down to her daughters and then after they've done using it they would use the remaining parts of the fabric not they would never throw it away they would just use it to mop the floor or something so uh waste like i remember growing up also like when i used to go to my grandparents village uh they would not have a bin they never had a bin it was like they would cut uh they would cut things and like they'd make compost with like the cut vegetables and everything and if ever if later when there was like plastic bottles and everything uh, they would reuse the plastic uh, plastic bags. They would reuse the plastic bottles. I loved how efficient my uh, grandmother was. Like how uh, uh, how beautifully she would make use of everything. So I would always have this thing. Like whenever my mom would be doing like spring cleaning, I'll be thinking like of uh, things that I can make with the items that she's wanting to throw away. I would think of things, and I would also make items with my mom's old saris and stuff. And I, I got into thrifting uh, when I was very young and I didn't find any shame in it also uh, because uh, I would also get things passed down from my cousins or like Faye, my sister Faye, she would get things from me. So I never thought it was like something that was uncool. Mm -hmm. So so I would be thrifting mindlessly. Uh, I would like my mom would not like it. A lot of people don't like it, but a lot of people would also say like, "Wow, what, where did you get the, um, you know, I love your fashion. Where did you get this from?" and all that. So I thought like, why not I start like a secondhand? Uh, uh, why don't I sell secondhand items and why don't I just start upcycling? So I started Haka Vintage where I make new items with like old saris and stuff. And I also sell secondhand items that I curate from the streets or from other people. Uh, so at, at first, like, even though, even though it is in our culture to, uh, to pass down or to reuse or to use old clothes, but it's not, it's not something that we see as attractive. So it was, it was like very hush-hush. People wouldn't go around showing off like, oh, I got this from a vintage uh, shop or something like that. So it was, uh, uh, so at first, basically, uh, the for my first uh, customers were people who have been uh, outside Bangladesh where they were taught by people of lighter skin that it's okay to wear secondhand items. So they had to be... Uh, their culture had to be approved by something, some someone lighter, or a culture that a culture of a lighter skinned, I don't know, race, uh, for them to accept it. So, so my first customers were sadly people who went abroad and like learned what we like got approval from, you know, um, lighter skinned uh, individuals. I agree with a lot of the things that Fatia said that you know. Um, that thrifting and wearing secondhand clothes was, it's uh, sort of like a stigma sometimes and a lot of people don't like it. I personally uh, remember always buying stuff from the streets, like with uh, Farhia as well, we would go shopping together. Um, my mom didn't like it at first, but now she's like kind of used to it because you know, you get to find good stuff. Um, but anyway, I think that's, and also, like, 
um, I know that uh, like a lot of people from our generation are still not in with the idea of like thrifting um, simply because it's cheap. I always wanted to take my nanu's old clothes or jewelry, but like my cousins, they wouldn't want the same things because they're like, oh, it's old. We don't want it. We want new things. But, you know, I feel like you can wear old clothes in a new way. That's what sustainable fashion is for me. Yeah, not wasting anything that you have because you can use the old stuff that, like, I remember um, one of my mom's saris, it was torn. It was beautiful, but it was torn and I couldn't wear, wear it as a sari anymore. So I cut it up and uh, made a kameez out of it. So... Uh, there's always a way that you can still use some of the old stuff. My name is Farhia and uh, I have a fashion brand that I have with my sister called Bedlam, um, where we're trying to promote sustainable fashion by using recycled nylon as our material, uh, as well as um, producing in smaller quantities uh, in order to you know, uh, not have wastage, as minimizing as much as possible. So um, sustainable fashion for me as a, a person who owns a brand, I would say is being conscious of where you are getting um, your materials from, where you are uh, having your clothes made from, and uh, being uh, answerable to people who uh, ask you uh, questions about your company and uh, the sources and everything. Uh, I guess uh, being more transparent about everything from um, the production, the sourcing, uh, and so on. On a personal level, for me, sustainability is being able to um, reuse and utilize all the things that I already own until there is no possible use for it anymore. And again, uh, I think that's something that's already, as my sister already mentioned, that's something that's been in our culture for, for a while, being able to use uh, clothes that we have as different kind of clothing items, um, upcycling them or using them as um, materials to clean the housing with even. Um, so yeah, I think that's what it is uh, for me personally to be sustainable, being able to one, uh, not have to uh, keep up with trends by buying new clothes from uh, new fashion brands, but being able to keep, uh, maintain. So me and Farhat, we also have a, a Instagram page where we basically, uh, uh, showcase what fashion is for ourselves. And most of the clothes that we wear in, the, in that page are basically secondhand items or uh, clothes that we've had for like 10 years. Because for us, fashion isn't about keeping up with trends by buying clothes, but it is being able to create new looks with what you already have or uh, not having prejudice against old clothes. Most of the people who make our clothes are from low-income communities living in poverty and are constantly exposed to many health hazards. For instance, we have heard about the Rana Plaza tragedy in Bangladesh itself and the fashion revolution movement that was born out of it. But we want to learn your perspective about the incident and its impact, and also why it is so important to know the source of your clothes. I think that um, definitely uh, it was a big um, eye-opening uh, incident that happened. Uh, because, you know, before that, people weren't, like, people were aware, but I don't think people were, like, thinking about it too much or discussing it too much, that, like, what, how much of an impact fast fashion, not only does it have on 
the environment, but also on the people who are producing the uh, products. And when it happened, it's great that we are more aware and that we're, um, there are more compliance organizations taking care of that. But at the same time, the West, the people in the West, they go around rioting over these things that happen. But I mean, they riot and they protest and then it's over like after a couple of months and the entire pressure and the burden is on uh, the countries who are producing uh, these products. Responsibility should be shared by the brands who are selling it to the customers like last at the last stop um, because they, because all they do is they, they're like, oh, we're compliant with these safety laws and stuff, but they're not paying for it. They're still, and what hap- ends up happening is that the uh, employees or the workers, the labor, they end up receiving less pay because, you know, the companies that are the manufacturers in our countries they have to pay more to the compliance organizations or, you know, their costs are increased. So they probably lower their wages. And that's just, it's just this whole thing is on our countries and the West never ends up, like they go around scot-free and like nothing happens to them. Yeah, and I think brands should be held accountable where they get their clothes from and how much they're paying. I think uh, uh, I think pricing should be disclosed. I think it's fair for pe- people to profit from selling. And I think it's also fair to disclose it. If, if, if everything is transparent, they can't really, ex- like they can't do the type of extortion they do, right? And yeah, I think we all have to come to a middle ground. Uh, and yeah, and knowing the source is very will help us to do that uh, i agree that uh, the incident in rana plaza resulted in mainly either brands wanting to dissociate themselves from bangladesh by not uh, producing in our country anymore or placing uh the blame in bangladeshi fa- uh, factories where they had to now uh end up spending more uh in uh making safer factories but uh, at the same time, still have uh, the brands pay the same amount for manufacturing in these factories. So at the end of the day, this has a negative impact both ways. We either have less business or the, um, the gar- garment owners and the garment workers are making less. So really, the Rana Plaza incident just shows at the end of the day, there's, we can't really make progress, can we? Our labor will always have to remain cheap. Uh, our laborers have to always be exploited in order for these big brands to keep on profiting at uh, unreasonable amount. And the only uh, responsibility or the only uh, actions that are being taken are by Bangladeshi factories and the brands hold no responsibility. The, the easiest way for them is to basically shake off any association with Bangladesh and it really isn't helping anybody at all. Uh, in terms of uh, the workers, the garment workers, or Bangladesh's economy. I just think the whole um, issue, the main issue here is that there's this power disparity between uh, 
the countries that are ordering the products and the countries that are producing the products because we they would never be able to actually impose that burden on us if the power power disparity did not exist and it, the whole thing comes from colonization and i just think that this should be part of the discussion whenever something like rana plaza comes up because unless we address that issue uh, th- there's no solving it uh, so i want to add something too uh, so when rana plaza happened uh, brands who wanted to like disassociate themselves from bangladesh uh, we we should have like we as consumers should have also checked like who are they now uh, manufacturing from are they going to africa with like more exploitation of labor like are they going to a country that exploits more labor like what uh, what were the next steps like if we i think if that was also transparent like when when you when people media is doing like yellow journalism where like you're just you know blanketing bangladesh as like the worst country to live in the worst uh, labor laws the worst everything uh, uh, so where are like so you you take orders from bangladesh so where are you going so i just want to know that because usually brands just go to a country with a uh, poorer population with l- lower minimum wage so if we uh, yeah if we are transparent in that way i think i think yeah brands would be a bit more uh i don't know cautious yeah thank you so much for your perspectives and i completely agree right um the western corporations need to be held accountable and it's so funny right now as well because like the western world is basically the face of sustainability and you know how there's been an increasing amount of buzzwords such as sustainable eco-friendly natural in everything from fashion to food right however we know clothing with such tags are often expensive So would you say that eco or sustainable fashion is exclusive or elitist? I think uh it's an elitist uh not a concept but like the only people who are able to afford these products are rich people. Um and also the fact that um the poor people who live day to day they're not they cannot buy these products there's no way and we just have to accept that and not i hate this whole shaming thing where people you know people who are vegan people who are like sustainable um they shame other people who are not but you never know like it's they may not be in a position to uh lead that life um the people in our country the uh the workers who are producing these products they cannot uh afford these um sustainable products so of course it's an elitist uh community i feel um and in a lot of ways i also feel like sometimes um people from poor or underprivileged communities they are more sustainable than us but they just don't realize it they for example like i don't think like obviously like most of the people in our population they're not even aware of this concept because one there's a lack of education and two like they don't have the time to like worry about these things um uh for me like growing up like i mentioned before that i was buying clothes off the street and now that i think of it that was sustainable 
but I didn't realize it myself. The people um, selling the vendors, the street vendors selling the products, they don't realize it's sustainable, but it is. So I think it's wrong to just say like the West is the face of sustainability. They're just able to market it better. Um, we just haven't, you know, had this discussion as a whole in our nation or in this continent. Because of fast fashion being so cheap, uh, it became elitist. Uh, yeah, we are sustainable because we can afford it. It is true. Uh, but like, for example, we can do like little things. Uh, for example, I wore my mother-in-law's sari, like her wedding sari on my wedding. So someone who can't afford a new sari can do the same, right? But the thing is, uh, I've noticed the people I got to, like people who were not comfortable with or like very surprised to what I was doing. Uh, we have trauma from like famine and like from colonization. So we, we had nothing. So we do have, um, because there's such a big difference and uh, how we never had anything we have fantasies uh, where, you know, like there is, a, there is also a saying that whenever someone, uh, it's called nutuntaka, which means new money. Uh, you see people fashion too much. They're like feasting every day. They're like uh, feeding 200, 300 people every day. They're wearing like very blingy things and they're like changing, like buying new clothes every day, wearing a different uh, garment every day. So this, so, uh, Sustainable brands or fashion or if it's for food or any other, any company that uh, promotes itself as sustainable, I think they are elitist because one, uh, the pricing point is for uh, a certain group of people. It's not affordable by everybody, as well as they've turned it into a trend where uh, only the people who are following this trend will go for it and not, uh, it's not inclusive, it's exclusive. Like people who are uh, rich, who are trendy, are the ones who can afford and be able to uh, buy these products and also uh, include it or, or incorporate it into their lifestyles. But I think sustainability uh, by itself, if if we look at uh, southeastern countries, as my sister and Farhad has already mentioned, that we are we do have a culture of reusing, recycling, uh, using old things all the time, uh, keeping uh, items for a really long time. Uh, for uh, most, a lot of the people that I personally know have uh, farms where they grow their own products or have um, have these products sent to them and consume organic products all the time. So I think sustainability is not uh, ex uh, is not uh, an exclusive society, but the fashion brands or products are. That's speaking um, about the Western world and you know how like we have all these like brands um, and companies claiming to be eco-friendly. So um, it sometimes it kind of feels like we are getting tricked into buying things that claim to be environmentally friendly. For example, uh, Saman and I were talking about it the, the other day. We see plastic water bottles that have nature on their labels and also like fast fashion clothing brands coming out with their sustainable or conscious clothing lines. So according to a website called Green and Thistle, um, there's this phenomenon um, called greenwashing. 
And they define greenwashing as a deceptive practice that companies use to trick you into thinking that their products are environmentally friendly when they're actually not. So how do you girls think we should navigate around this phenomenon? So I think uh, it, it all comes down to transparency because most of these uh, companies, big companies, um, they're using branding as an element to showcase that they are uh, environmentally friendly, but uh, they don't really sh um, show any evidence in terms of sourcing or transparency of uh, how their products are made, uh, what it, it is about their company or their products that makes them sustainable. Um, and they don't have any information uh, about that available to the general public uh, that would actually point to uh, the actual uh, sustainable element of their products. So I think transparency is the most important. Uh, I think most of these companies are doing uh, this to basically do the bare minimum that they can in order to reap the benefits uh, in terms of getting public support and getting uh, all kinds of uh, market to support their products. Uh, and that's problematic because now a lot of users who don't know much about sustainability, uh, who think that just by buying their products, they're doing their bare minimum as well. So I think misinformation is uh, a big prob problem because one, uh, we're teaching people uh, that by buying products that brand themselves as sustainable, that's them being sustainable and they don't uh, go further or beyond that. So um, yeah, I find uh, that information should not, uh, limited information uh, used as branding should be stopped for sure. And brands should be transparent uh, so they, uh, so that the users can actually see whether or not they truly are sustainable. I don't think people care either. It's not just the brand. Uh, I don't think even when I am shopping and I have a sustainable brand myself, I am going to look for the price tag first and then I'm going to look for the style. Like, no, I'm going to look if I like the item and then I'm going to look, I'm going to look at the price. I am not going to look at, yeah. And so I think I think I shouldn't have that much choice. Like I shouldn't have the choice to make a sustainable or non-sustainable judgment. I think I shouldn't have any choice, but to make like I should have only one choice, and that should be sustainable. We always assume that we as human beings are good. We're not. Like if we, we if if we understand the fact that we are not good, I think we'd make better policies. Uh, like like policies like where people shouldn't be given any other choice other than sustainable uh, choices. So <laughs> they do, even if they are making sustainable clothing or greenwashing or not greenwashing, even if they're not greenwashing, there's no point. They have polluted, like they can't, cannot reverse how much they have polluted already. Like these are all like, I don't know, they can't do anything other than like stopping, halting any kind of unsustainable, uh, any kind of any kind of act that harms our environment. It's, it's time like government takes uh, control. Like there should be policy. Like for example, I think I think in Europe I see like people don't smoke as much. Uh, it's because the government changed policies, right? Uh, they made like they heavily tax uh, cigarettes. They uh, made it like they did all these like. Um, 
I don't know, psychological uh, uh, policy making where like they change the color of the packets to the ugliest color, to the ugliest color. And I don't know, they did a lot of things like government should, I think, step into uh, sustainable to fat into fashion. I would 100% agree with Fatiapu on what uh, like us humans being not good because at the end of the day we're all greedy and I know for a fact that if I see something nice if I see a nice nice clothes like I'm gonna want to buy it like you already see something nice and like we're always looking for either looking for loopholes or we completely ignore the issues and like it's just gonna happen um so yeah like like she said that I understand that it's kind of extremist to think in a way that like we shouldn't have the option at all because that's not possible. It's not realistic, but we should work towards a more balanced or at least limited options uh, where we don't have as many brands producing so many, so many things of the same, same thing. Like I see so many brands selling the same clothes but in different brands like i just don't understand why that's happening first of all and yeah like we should have less option to even do the wrong things about the greenwashing concept um we completely have to like you know uh research because like think about uh big brands like putting up like a rainbow flag during pride month or being like we're so diverse they're they're gonna put like one black person uh one black model in their campaign and they're like oh we're so diverse but then behind the scenes they're not like it's just like a like they're filling a quota they're they just they don't actually care and most of the business or the money or the earnings are going to white people and it's the same with greenwashing. Like, they're just doing it for marketing and, you know, creating a better image for themselves. But still, like, at the end of the day, it's true that most people don't care and most people don't have the time or the energy to actually go out of their way and research whether this company is greenwashing or are they actually sustainable. So... Um, again, like Fatia said, it's the government or the bigger, it's, it has to happen on a higher level where uh, people with more power or um, influence have to make the change because us as individuals, we, our efforts will never be able to create a significant amount of change that will, you know, uh, help improve um, the adverse effects that um, unsa- unsustainable practices have had. You have a, like I do have like a huge problem with people like overly uh, getting hot blooded and overly like to me that is extremism where people are like overly vin- villainizing uh, industry and then them vin- villainizing an industry. It all everything that happens falls on them, right? The 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 people they're acting like they're fighting for it falls on the it falls on them because uh when uh, when bangladesh stops getting orders it falls on the workers right the garment workers it's not on them it's so easy to get like you know like rile up 
other workers or right, right, like you know, get riled up, make paint Bangladesh bad, paint ba- government's industry bad. So yeah, so I'm not like anti-manufacturing, uh, but I just think that if brands were forced to only uh, give us op- sustainable options by government, then the brands would also, uh, you know, manufacture like in Bangladesh, the governments would be only manufacturing things that are sustainable. Like for example, like. I think you don't always have to use uh, um, uh, use you don't know garments can make other items other than polyester like they can make linen shirts they can make a lot of things just make all options sustainable we don't need uh, you know plastic clothes manufacturing everything sustainably is one way of tackling this problem right but the other way is to keep the clothing the textile in these in the like increasing its life cycle uh, and that's very that's become very popular right now. So basically, the term circular fashion was introduced in 2014 in Sweden, and it's defined as a system where our clothing and personal belongings are produced through a more considered model, where the production of an item and the end life are both equally important. And like I think we've al- already talked about this, and it's been brought up so many times in our conversation today. We've talked about how like um, you know. Basically, this um, concept is already embedded in our culture too. So, what do you, can you like highlight that again, and also talk about how this can be achieved? Uh, so, like, uh, it's very it's very new to maybe the West to uh, not throw away clothes, but it's not like even even like the Westernized uh, population in our country. Like, even I don't know, I don't know anyone who just wears a clothing once and then throws it away. Maybe they don't take photos. Maybe it's not it's not okay to uh, uh, have the wearing the same clothes uh, and having like different photos from different days. But people don't like it's a very it's a culture from the West. We never had that culture, and it's even hard for because in our reflex we're not like that. We don't throw away clothes. We just buy it. even if it's fast fashion. Like Bengali people or I think Southeast Asian people, we buy fast fashion and we don't we don't throw it away fast we don't <laughs> we actually use fast fashion till like you know it dies so i i think i don't know it's sad that uh the west the i don't know where their culture comes from uh i think it's because i think capitalism hit them too i don't know they've i don't know like it's i it really bothers me like like even like you know fruits and vegetables just recently they've like finding ways to be sustainable and using ugly foods that get reject- that gets rejected in supermarkets we don't have this in bangladesh or in southeast asia we don't even know what's ugly or not ugly what should be on the shelves like this we we i cannot even uh, relate to this like oh, this is a culture of the west so we never had that we still don't have it it's it's actually the West who have to change it and uh, they shouldn't become the face of sustainability, but they should be the first to change because they are the ones like this, right? So uh, they, I think they should take some culture from like, from our subcontinent. And I think, yeah, I think we should become the face of sustainability and they can follow our steps because because we are sustainable, but we are not the face of it. So why not just make us the face of it and also follow our steps? Um, we have already, like, uh, I think, covered a lot of that. Um, that, like, you know, it's embedded in our culture because 
we reuse our old clothes. We um, inherit old clothes and jewelry from our um, parents, our grandparents. And even after we're done using those, um, we we just don't throw away stuff. I've seen my mom um, using them as uh, things to clean. Like I have taken clothes from my cousins. I have given my clothes to my cousins. This whole thing has always been part of our culture. It's just not, there was never an official term or label attached to it, which is why, um, yeah, like, like Fatiha said, we should definitely be the face of um, sustainable fashion. Like the West is not that. The West is just, you know, uh, like always, they're taking stuff from our culture and like making it their own and like um, not giving credit where it's due. Um, um, with fast fashion, you know, you're creating clothes uh, like at a cheaper price at a faster rate. You're also using uh, materials which are of poor quality. And, you know, uh, if you take a look at the clothes from older generations, they last a lot longer than the clothes from this generation last. It's because, you know, their clothes were made, like it took months to make one item or, you know, they used natural products and stuff like the sharis for um, Jamdani that we have in uh, Bangladesh, Banaroshi. It takes months to make those products, and they're really high quality. But the uh, and muslin, for example, but um, nowadays a lot of them are losing business because people are also starting to uh, make uh, muslin with machine, but it's not real proper muslin or jamdani uh, because it's not as fine. Uh, yeah, so. And if you look at the the products that were made like 50 years ago or even 100 years ago, and like if you are able to maintain those products, they last a lot longer than the Muslim or Jamdani would last. So, you know, like we've obviously like talked about culture a lot and I feel like everything's so interconnected. Um, and you like did mention like both of you and even um, Faria mentioned like, how, you know, like there's this like stigma with thrifting and buying secondhand clothes. And we did see why there is a stigma to it. However, we didn't really talk about how the stigma around thrifting can be eliminated. So what do you guys think? Like, how can it be eliminated? Uh, so like, I, I think it can, like for me, I am getting to like young crowd by just making it look cooler. Like, I think more individual. Uh, yeah, I think creativity is a big, uh, big uh, game changer in this. Uh, uh, because like fast fashion, at the end of the day, they're copying from, uh, they have like, they have all these designers who go, go to all these uh, fashion shows where they take elements from like, uh, uh, from real designers and then they take uh, elements from street fashion to make, uh, to, you know, project what's going to be in fashion uh next season and i think so fashion is so important like the real fashion is so important uh not the manufacturing part of it the art and creative part of it so i got to like a young crowd by you know by styling uh the things the items i sell by styling them like really cool 
So yeah, I just made it cool. Uh, I think that's how we, that's like one way to do it. And uh, and another way is like right now, like we, the way is like in process because the West ha, ha, is like as Southeast Asian, as Southeast Asians, we have embedded colonialism where anything that's approved by the West is like, okay, it's, it's okay. There's no more, uh, uh, there's no more taboo stigma. Okay. So the West has, um, is uh, cool with, you know, secondhand clothing. So I see a lot of people now cool with secondhand clothing. So anything the West does, we look up to them. Not all of us, but like in our, for some reason, because of embedded colonialism, it does matter like what a lighter skinned person uh, believes in. So, well, I think it, it is a long process where we get rid of the embedded colonialism because wanting more and wanting new clothes and wanting this and that all, it all started from like, you know, uh, the gap in wealth especially for our colonizers and like us and how they have always extracted things, how we never had new clothes, how we never had food. We went through famine, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So uh, we, we naturally are, these are like trauma that got passed on in like, in our I don't know, DNA. Right. So, yeah. And I think in time, I think everything needs time. So I think it's a process that's also like, it's a process that, takes time the very first step i think would be uh to just uh talk about it and mostly raise awareness uh like you guys are starting a conversation about like with this podcast uh because if people are not not enough people are aware of the impact their unsustainable choices are having on the environment they're not going to make an effort to uh, correct those behaviors um, uh, despite that like starting a conversation is not enough like we've mentioned before that we don't care as human beings we don't care enough um, despite knowing everything and having all the facts and because of that I feel like there needs to be an added value to like sustainable fashion and why um, you know, like how Fatia Poo's adding, like she said, she's making Dhaka vintage cool, like like vintage clothes cool and making people want to buy it because they want to be cool. You know, so that's like her, that's her way of adding value uh, to her brand or sustainable fashion. Um, so, yeah, I think... Well, I personally, when I came, the first time I came across like one uh, vintage store or like online store was sometime in 2016. It was, I don't remember the name of the brand, um, but that's like, I didn't even know it exists, that the concept existed, but, you know, I wanted to buy it because the clothes looked cool. They were styled nicely. And that's why I wanted to buy it. I'm not going to want to buy clothes that I find ugly, even if they're good for the environment. I, it has to be worth my money, right? So it, that's why, like, um, designing and styling is very, very important. Um, 
we also have to just talk about how wearing secondhand clothes it's not an indication of you being you know poor and uh not that being poor is bad i'm just saying that rich people have this um uh mentality that you, you know if you're wearing um someone's old clothes you're somehow like bringing yourself down and like so yeah i think we have to talk about that and a lot of rich people are in fact starting to buy from vintage um stores or brands because they think it's cool so it's all, it's all about like one starting the conversation and then providing them an option which is worth their money i'd like to add like uh fart said that first step is not assuming that we are good and then wanting to know what people really want and then uh then using their want like giving them their wants through in a sustainable manner uh because wants will be there and there will be people leveraging that want uh supplying the demand uh but yeah i think government has to uh i think also step in and uh and uh you know make it make it uh rule to uh uh to supply with sustainable uh products clothing uh services thank you i feel like this has been such an insightful conversation and i wish we had more time to talk about more things but since we're running out of time um we want to end this episode by asking you to quickly summarize we've gone through this i think this has been brought up again and again we i just want to ask you if you could quickly summarize what the next step forward to achieving sustainable and ethical fashion would be i think the next step forward is government getting involved uh like we produce for the west right so the governments in, uh in the west they can they can want certain things from uh from brands right they can want like every item it it doesn't matter i'm not saying like decrease the styles or decrease designs decrease like make it do fast fashion in a very sustainable way like um these pants i bought they were more expensive than the non sustainable uh pants uh from a certain brand uh which was sad because you're recycling someone else's pants like they tell you to bring back the the your old clothes and they recycle the i don't know cotton or something and they make new pants which happen to be more expensive so i think if i think government should uh, sit down with brands and be like uh why is it more expensive what are the reasons that it's more expensive and then you know come um like you know make certain policies that make it easier to produce sustainable items and it's cheaper to produce sustainable items and it's better for all stakeholders to be sustainable like we can't just think of it as just environment because people are not nice people are not good we are all selfish you have to show me my benefit like we can show brands their benefit like if also like if no other brand is allowed to make anything non sustainable i think all brands will just focus on making sustainable items more items cheaper sustainable items right they'll because they're fast fashion they'll just try to make cheaper sustainable uh uh items so i think yeah i think the next step forward is government because i i don't i don't take like i don't think we're good i think we're selfish i mean like the world is the way it is because 
how we are how we are i think um i agree with like the government taking more responsibilities and taking more action towards uh sustainability supporting um uh smaller brands and even bigger brands into transitioning into sustainable practices um on top of that we need to be more uh self aware and we need to um realize like uh how we talked about the fact that a lot of our practice like, like a lot of our south asian practices are in fact sustainable we just don't realize it and the fact that nowadays we're getting so influenced by western fashion and western um culture through social media that we're starting to adopt western practices but instead of doing that we need to look within and um uh maintain our uh the good practices from our culture as well uh, we pass down clothes we use clothes that are no longer wearable for other things um like we make nokshikatha which is like embroidered uh blankets quilted blankets um we make those out of old charis that are no longer usable or are torn um we use them as rags so i think we need to be more um aware of our own culture and how we can um use those practices to you know because no matter how much we try we cannot the practices that the west is trying to adopt for sustainable fashion we uh, a lot of them we don't have the resources to do that because we don't have money uh, our people don't have money but in a lot of small ways we can do it um uh like what we have been doing for centuries so i think we should yeah that's so one way to do it is maintain what we're already doing but and not lose that culture yeah i think like uh, also like moving forward i think sustainable fashion also needs to learn some pr like uh for, for example you know like there are lots of designers uh by like there i think less is more was said by dieter rams or something like the industrial designer who started designing things that like so like minimalism is can like be made like we need to make sustainability into like you know into fashion like into the only only cool thing uh like steve jobs did that like he like he didn't do it in intentionally but he wore that one black uh, t-shirt like less is more i think it should also uh be introduced uh, i think governments and uh i think media and i think how we uh even movies like um in i, I don't think i don't think yeah in like in indian movies there are uh everyone's changing clothes every second right so we should we should start i think we should uh, start changing <laughs> we should start like you call it like social engineering yeah i think we should focus on that social engineering uh like movies where we can have people wear the same clothes and wear like or clothes with organic materials like also you know 
um, superheroes mo- superhero movies where they cannot they can <laughs> wear like hundred percent I don't know hundred percent uh, organic uh, something um, items like I don't know we can like you know we can have contents I think content is very important uh, social engineering is very important uh, this is why I really want governments to get in uh, in this and to make sustainability the only normal. Yeah, um, thank you so much uh, for like both Farhat and uh, Fatia for these great perspectives. Like something that I'm, I feel like it's like stuck in my head now is just that um, it is very important to be realistic and very important to accept that human beings were not necessarily like good, you know, like in the perfect world, of course, like um, anybody and everybody would choose to be actively environmentally conscious right but then we do not live in a perfect world so I think that's also another thing that we need to accept that this world is not perfect and therefore like the government does need to step in and as they're you know like so so so-called leaders they have to act um in leadership and also actively make decisions that cater to sustainability. And I think Simon also wants to add something real quick. Yeah, um, like Fatia mentioned, like I think nudging is also very important, like basically putting this into movies, talking about it, like influences using stuff like this. I think nudging has been proven to be very effective. And if you can incorporate like sustainable fashion in such a way and like let people know that, okay, here, this is happening here and stuff like that, I think it is it can be very successful. Uh, adding on to what you guys said that like you know uh, sustainable fashion they need to learn more PR and uh, nudging Um, for example I see so many uh, fashion bloggers they're like oh how to style one top like set in several ways that's like one way to like normalize that you're wearing the same top but like in different ways and because like most people are like a lot of people I know are like oh my god I wore that that one time and I have a picture so I can't wear that anymore so um this is one way to like um influence people into like wearing repeating their clothes basically I completely agree with you and I feel like you know like our conversation has been very um realistic and um It's not been like a very aspirational conversation, you know, and um, I think that's like really important to have. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're so happy that um, we got to talk and uh, we're very excited to, you know, for our listeners to listen to this episode and for your respective businesses um, to flourish as well. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so thank you for having us yeah we had a great time like me even me Faria and Faz we never sit together to talk about these things so I love that you guys uh, made this happen and yeah I think you two are doing really good really glad we got to talk about this and like you know I think it's great that you're starting this conversation and yeah I'm excited for you guys um, and I hope you know your podcast does well thank you so much for listening to our episode you can listen to our podcast on spotify apple podcasts anchor and other platforms you can also find us on youtube instagram and on twitter links to these platforms will be in the description box please do check out dhaka vintage bedlam dhaka and far too short on instagram all the links will be in the description box and if you want to read more about what we talked about today 
all of that will be linked in the box as well. See you next month. <laughs>